This is the Bloom Boss Podcast. My name is Alyssa Morton, former 9-to-5-er turned full-time event florist and serial multi-six-figure entrepreneur. Every day, I'm bringing you an inspiring conversation, quickie mindset episode, or lesson learned to help you take the leap of faith into building a floral-based business. Thanks for starting your day with me. Now, let's boss up. Are you an aspiring or new event floral entrepreneur struggling to find the information, trainings, and community you need to build your own joy-filled flower biz? Come join us in our Bloom Like a Boss Club, the exclusive community for event floral professionals. Each week, our members receive a new design and recipe along with monthly group trainings and bonuses for being part of the club. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more. Hello, my friends. I've got a very special episode that I want to share with you. So in January, I had went to PodFest for my other podcast. For those that don't know, it's called Making Mommy Moves. And I interview other mompreneurs that are growing their business to show you how to build a business while raising your kids, to, you know, delegate, to grow your team, all the things. So I wanted to share a very special episode that I had done for the Making Mommy Move show here on the Bloom Boss podcast because Jamie Van Kuyk is the person to talk to about growing your team. And I know a lot of us struggle with that right now in the event industry is building our team and delegating and offsetting, automating, everything. So we talked all these things on this episode of the Making Mommy Move show, and I want to share it here on the podcast so that you get all of the benefits of this conversation because Jamie Van Kike, she's the owner and lead consultant of Growing Your Team. She's an expert in hiring and onboarding teams within small businesses. She's drawing from over 15 years of leadership experience. Jamie empowers women business owners and leaders to expand their unique businesses by teaching them to master the hiring process. By learning the dynamics of each company and their specific needs, Jamie provides bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance that helps women entrepreneurs gain the confidence to hire like a pro. On a personal side, Jamie lives in St. Petersburg, Florida with her husband and two daughters, is a hobby winemaker, loves to travel, and enjoys exercise that takes her feet off the ground, including rock climbing and aerial dance. I had such a great conversation with Jamie. We had connected at PodFest in January, and I think that this is a really valuable conversation for you as you build and grow your team for your event floral design business. So let me know how you guys like this episode if you want more episodes just like this, and let's get into it. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the Making Mommy Move show. I'm excited to have you on today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. We connected a podcast and we've got to talk quite a few times in the process. So I'm excited to have you on my podcast officially. I know. I'm super excited to be here. I know we had a great conversation when we recorded the episode with you for my podcast. It was a lot of fun. We've got a lot that we could talk about because you are the growing your team expert. You help companies build their team and hire people and delegate and really grow their business to new levels by adding more people to the team. And I know that's really difficult for us to do, especially as moms. Like we feel like we have to do everything ourselves. So I want to talk a little bit about how you created your business because I know that you've got kids also and why growing your team, like how you got there. And then you can tell us a little bit, maybe a hack or a tip when we're going to hire somebody for our own team. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this because it was really quite a journey to get here. But, you know, looking back, I'm I'm so thankful for it. Good. I know, like everything happens for a reason in our journey. So can you tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah. So mine really starts with back even before kids working in corporate. I had a goal that I wanted to be a business owner. My dad ran his own business when I was growing up and I just really admired that. I like that even though he had he ran a machine shop, so it was in a certain location, he still had flexibility. He could be there anytime as kids. We needed to get picked up early or we had an appointment that you know, we needed an extra ride or he could make it to all the sporting events and things like that. So I knew I wanted to run a business, but I knew my business needed to be able to have that level of flexibility. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So my time in corporate, I said, I'm going to learn everything I can while working for somebody else. So that way I'm more prepared when it comes time for me to take that step into my entrepreneurship journey. So fast forward a few years and I returned from maternity leave after having my second daughter. And I was kind of feeling like a lot was changing at this point in time. 
about a few weeks after I returned to the office, they had a big round of corporate layoffs. Myself and my team didn't experience any layoffs, but there was people that I knew that were laid off. And my manager was pulled to work in a different department of the organization, which means I got shifted to work under a different manager. And this changed things dramatically in a lot of ways. And you'd like think about it like just on paper that it really wouldn't have. But I went to having like this relationship with my one manager to this relationship with this manager that were so different that a lot of the days I was just like, oh, my God, I can't have another conversation with this person. Like, it's just so different. I'm experiencing this change. And it's like one of those things as leaders, we're always taught your employees go through change. And I was like, here I am experiencing this like change curve thing myself. So there was a day where it just ended up being like everything coming together in a negative kind of way. My boss kind of made me mad with some like conversation. My team, which was great. I loved my team. They were always amazing. But it was one of those teams where it was nonstop. They needed something from me. And everything they needed from me was legit were things where I as a manager needed to step in. But it was nonstop. And it's like every time you're like, okay, we got that solved, like something else. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't think I have enough left to give to anybody else. And then as a mom, new mom, I was nursing. So I had to go down to the to the pumping room and everything so I could pump for, for my daughter and everything. And when I returned to work, my oldest daughter is in full-time preschool at this point in time. My mom is watching my youngest. But I knew that was always a temporary thing because my parents are snowbirds. So I live in Florida. My parents spend about half the year here in Florida and half the year up in New York where we're originally from. And so I knew they were only watching her to a certain date and I needed to have daycare or a nanny or something lined up after that date. And I had done my research. I had found places I wanted to send her, what I thought our plan was going to be. And when I get down to that room to pump, I have an email from the daycare that I thought I was going to send her saying, congratulations, we have a spot. And I'm just like, yes. And then I open the email and they're like, in eight months. And I'm just like, oh, no, no <laughs> that doesn't work for me. Like, I need someone in two months, not eight months. And I was just like, that's it. I am done. I'm becoming a stay at home mom because I'm like, I'm just I just can't deal with any of this anymore. I'm going to take the stress of finding daycare off my plate. I'm not going to deal with this manager anymore. I'm not going to deal with an annoying team anymore. And then I thought about that and I was just like, all right, I don't actually think I can be a stay at home mom. It's just that I am very ambitious when it comes to my career. And I was just like, uh -huh. yeah, could I do it? Could I enjoy it? Yes. But I had this like immediate nagging feeling that I was like, if I do that, I might look back and resent the fact that I didn't grow a career over this time or things like that. And I was like, as much as I want to be that mom, who I am as as an ambitious businesswoman plays an important role for me as well. So I sat there and said, all right, well, what are my other options? What can I do? And then I was like, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to have a business, is it possible to do that while I'm at home with an eight-month-old, with a baby and everything? And I was just like, I think it is. I think it's possible to do that. All right. So what type of business am I going to start? And so I sat there and I brainstormed two ideas real quickly that had been on my mind, something that I wanted to do, and then something my husband and I had been talking about for years. And the one that I wanted to do, I looked at it, I was like, wow, with my skill and talent, I don't think I could actually make any money off of this. It could be a nice hobby, but I don't think I'm going to make money off of it. So I was like, all right, the, the idea my husband and I have been talking about for years, it's time. Let's do it. And so that night I told my husband, I was like, I have this crazy idea, but hear me out. And immediately got his support. A few weeks later, turned in about a two weeks notice or not two weeks, a two month notice and then started a business at home with my with my child. And I will spoilers. I'm sure we're going to get more into this. That business that I started is not growing your team. It was something completely different, but at least got me out the door to be on my entrepreneurship journey. Oh, I love I love everything about your story. And I relate to that wholeheartedly, especially the part where you felt like you couldn't just be a stay at home mom. You needed to be fulfilling that that piece of you that is pulled to do something more ambitious and the career oriented like woman that you are. I had that feeling so deeply in my heart. And even still, like it's why every idea that we come up with, we have to jump on and create. So can you touch on that a little bit more? Because I know that a lot of moms like may struggle with this mindset piece of like feeling like 
the mom guilt kind of aspect of like maybe you feel guilty that you're not being a stay-at-home mom or that you're feeling selfish for pursuing your goals even though you can you can do both yeah it is really a hard mindset thing and like even to this day like saying that it's hard for me to say that I literally sat there and had this feeling that I would resent my daughter if I didn't do something for myself well, during that time as well. And and I think I feel that because there's so many women out there that are stay-at-home moms that love it, that they thrive in it. They couldn't imagine themselves doing anything less. And you hear about their stories and it's like, wait, am I less of a mom because that won't light me up in the same way? that it won't bring me the same joy. And like, yes, my kids bring me joy and I love every second that I get to spend with them and everything. I was like, but you know, am I being selfish because I want something for myself in addition to being that that mom and having those opportunities with my kids? And I think it's just kind of, it's really is that tough mindset thing. And I think what really helped me was I can do both. I can be both and I can build a business that allows me to be a good mom and a successful business owner at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think what really helped me with that mindset is, yeah, I came from corporate. My oldest daughter was three, almost three and a half by the time I left corporate. So I had had over three years of being a corporate working mom. And for some people, their experience of being a corporate working mom is horrible because they're like, we came from these companies that didn't understand. You know, you got looked down on because you had to go get the kids. Um, no one understood why you had to be out the door by five because your daycare closes at 530. And if, you know, it could take you 30 minutes to get there. And it's like, so a lot of people have those stories that they just don't feel heard and understand in corporate. They don't feel like they can really thrive as a mom in corporate. And they're still constantly always like making those those that struggle. But I had a completely different experience in the um, team that I was in, the department that I was in. Most of the leadership team was women and most of those women had kids. And even some of our senior leaders were single moms. And it was so just this completely different mindset things of being able to see things when I remember one day being in a meeting with our VP and she got a call from her son's school and she immediately stopped the meeting to answer the call. And I think her son had broken his shoulder or something, broken his arm. And she immediately came in and was like, sorry, guys, you're on your own for the rest of this meeting. I need to go and take care of my son. And it was like one of those things, like, obviously, then it's an ex extensive thing, like he broke a bone, but it was still like she like immediately it was like, I don't care what's going on in the office. I have to go be a mom. And then for my manager, there was a day where her daughter was sick and she was like, OK, I'm not going to be in the office because my daughter's sick. And a lot of us, we had flexibility. We could work from home if needed. So I just was kind of assumed she'd be working from home. So I sent her some emails, nothing urgent, nothing important. And she didn't respond until the next day when she was back in the office. And we were talking about that. And she was like, well, I have sick days and I'm allowed to use them when my daughter is sick. So why won't I use a sick day because my daughter is sick and it's completely separate from work? So seeing these female leaders be mom when they needed to be mom or leave, they might jump back online later in the day, but they leave because they their daughter's going to take a dance class and that dance class starts at four. Well, that's really tough, a lot of working moms, but they would go and leave and take their daughter to dance and then log on later to finish up the day of working. And it was just like, so I got to see this balance and even in this corporate world of you don't have to choose, you can be both. And yes, sometimes it's hard, but you can still be both. And I think that's what really helped me with that is I don't have to be I don't have to choose. I don't have to be one or another. I can be both and I can build the path that allows me to be both in the way that works best for me. Oh, thank you for sharing this, because I think that this really like comes to the heart of this podcast is like seeing all these women doing the thing that's pursuing their goals or their passion, whether that's in career or writing a book or a podcast or whatever they're doing, and then also being a mom and succeeding at both. And it's knowing yourself so well to know exactly like what you need as a person, what will make you feel fulfilled. And for me and you, I think that that's entrepreneurship and pursuing that career oriented thing and having the quality time and being there for our kids when they need us to be that good mom that they need. Right? Thank you for exactly. sharing that. It's all about the community and having the examples and the mentors and just seeing it in real life of people doing it. Because if you're not surrounded by those women, you might feel shameful. Like if you're only surrounded by people that are feeling like the people that are fulfilled to be just mom. And it's great that they are. But if you're not surrounded by the women and that's who you are to be career oriented, then you're just going to feel 
you're not going to feel like adequate. You know, you're going to feel really, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disheartened, I guess. Yeah. Like you're not going to feel empowered the way that you want to be. So I think it really just comes down to having those examples. Yeah. And it's all about like everything. Like I know when I started my business and especially once I got to the path of starting growing your team, I knew I needed to network, but I didn't go and find any networking group. I tried out a bunch to find where did I feel the most supported? Where did I feel like I fit in? And I think it's the same. Like if you're a mom that's trying, that has kids and you're trying to start a business and you're only hanging around the group that is the stay at home mom where they're not having those businesses, they're not doing those side hustles, they're not doing all those things, then you kind of feel like that outcast. You feel like there's this part of you that you can't talk about that you can't share about and it's not saying you have to end those relationships it's just find that additional support network those additional people you can talk to that understand what you're going through that are the same as you that they they know what it's like to to be like okay well i put the kids down for a nap i'm not going to sit on the couch and binge netflix i'm going to go and work on my business and do this because this is important or why on an a weekend afternoon, I might send my husband and the kids to the park and I'm going to stay home and do this. It's not that I don't want to be at the park with them. It's just that this is important to me too. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but it probably doesn't even feel like work when you're doing something that you feel so passionate about. I know like my husband and I had this conversation like probably last January because he was going through a period where he felt like I wasn't paying enough attention to him and he wasn't exactly like on board with the journey in the same way that he is now. And I was so happy. Like it didn't feel like work. I was excited to stay up until 11 o'clock at night working on my business and growing what I wanted it to be. And he was like, I don't understand. Like you're working all the time. Like isn't it exhausting? And it's like, no, like I'm actually really fulfilled. Like I feel so full right now that I'm taking care of myself in the way that I'm doing something that fuels me and makes me empowered and build confidence in myself in that kind of way. So I think that that's like a really important piece too, is making sure that you're going after and making the time for you. And it's okay, like if you have to send your kids away because it's taking care of you. Right. It's like one of the first things I did when I was, you know, like I said, like my daughter was eight months old when I started being at home full time and starting a business. And It wasn't that first summer because I started in June being at home. And that first summer, she was still pretty young. She was still napping a lot and everything. So I was able to get a lot done. By the next summer, she was older, more mobile, like not napping as much during the day. She was on a pretty good schedule. And also then at that point in time, instead of her sister being in full-time preschool, I took her out and she was only in part-time preschool, which also meant she was home completely during the summer. And and with that, I was just like, I can't get a lot done with two kids with me all the time. And I need to make sure I'm present when I need to be present. So one of the first things I did was I got a sitter that was just once a week would come and sit them was sit with them for three to four hours in the morning so I could go in work and then I could come home and be mom and or do things where it's like, all right, where can I take my kids today so they both get extremely tired and we have the best <laughs> time in the morning so we could come home and I know the youngest is going to nap. And if the oldest doesn't nap, she'll still lay on the couch and watch a movie so I can work. And it was like figuring out how do you build that time in? Because so, it is, you enjoy it, you love it, but it's just building that schedule so it works for you and your family. Oh, I love this. So I want to talk a little bit more about that transition period because you said that you weren't always like that first business that you started wasn't growing your team. So how did you know that it wasn't the one for you and that you needed to make a change so that you're doing something more aligned and the whole process of what that looked like. Yeah. So my husband, he's a software developer, software engineer by trade. So when we were talking about starting a business, it was always something in the software development field, something where we'd have these ideas and be like, oh, we can develop this, we can develop that. So it was always going to be that we were going to start a business. He would run the IT software development side and I'd run the business side of things. But my husband's very risk adverse. So he even went through some some layoffs on his own side. And I'd be like, all right, this is it. This is the time. And he'd be like, I don't think it's time yet. I'm going to go get another job. And I'm like, okay, that's good for you. Like, do that. So when I first decided I was leaving, I was just like, well, I can't sit at home and sell something that we don't have. So I'm like, I need to learn how to program. Like, I had done some programming in high school and everything. I was actually fairly good at it, but it had been years since I had done it. So I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to learn how to be a software engineer. I'm going to do some self-guided courses and stuff online. 
So for about six months, that was my main focus. I did some business planning and everything, but it was taking courses and I was learning how to develop, learning a bunch of different front end and back end coding languages so we could see like, okay, really just getting my feet wet. In. And it came easy, but I hated it. I ended up almost dreading that time that I was going to be spending. It's like, I got to do it. I got to do it. But I'm just like, oh, I'm just not having fun. And I kept telling myself, I need to do this just until we can hire somebody or just until my husband can spend more time and because he can spend it, take a step back from his job. It's temporary. It's temporary. You got to get through the struggle so you can reap the reward. And what ended up happening was six months into this journey, or actually I think it was about five months, we went to a conference together. And this was a development conference. And when we signed up, when I said, I want to go, my husband said, you do realize pretty much everything's going to be like way over your head there. And I said, yes, I know that. I was like, but there are there is a track on leading software teams. So it's not everything is technical. There's some stuff on the leadership or the basics of like building good design, not from like, once again, the technical aspect, but from the leadership aspect. So I feel like there's a lot of good stuff that I can learn, even though a lot of the technical stuff is still going to be way over my head, see about five months into a self-guided course of learning how to program. And after that conference, the first night we went out to dinner and I turned to my husband and I was like, I think I'm done. And he was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, the passion that these people have, I don't have. And I know I'm never going to have. You know, they're talking about these things and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be in this room anymore. Like, this is draining. Like, And I realized that I was actually I was actually pretty miserable. And I and I said to him that day, I was like, I loved my corporate job. Entrepreneurship was always a dream. And I took the opportunity to fulfill that dream. But I didn't hate my corporate job. Deep down, even though I was having a bad day, like when I left and I was on this this deal with this change that was there, I liked my team that I worked with. I liked what we were doing. I liked the organization I was with. So I was like, I left a job that I love to then be miserable every day just to call myself an entrepreneur. And I was like, that doesn't feel good for me. So I was just like, I think that this is it, that I need to do something else. And my husband goes and goes, I'm kind of thankful that you said that because he was working a nine to five job and then he was coming home and on nights and weekends helping with some of the developments and programming and everything. And he goes, I feel like I'm working around the clock. I'm a little burnt out and I feel like I have no time for our kit. So he was like, I'm totally on board with putting a pause to this. But then he was like, well, over the next few months when we were talking about these, like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to corporate or find an another opportunity? Like, what are you going to do? And I made it clear that I needed some time because I had this feeling that if I went back to corporate, I was going to feel like I failed at this entrepreneurship journey. And I was like, if I go back in feeling like I failed at this entrepreneurship journey, I'm never going to take the opportunity to leave a corporate job again to start my own business. I'm always going to be too scared. So it's like, I need some time to figure it out and figure out what my next step is going to be. And I was pretty lucky that when I left my corporate job, they talked me into staying on as a consultant for about six months. So at this point in time, I was also wrapping up those consulting pro pro excuse me, projects and everything. And I even realized, once again, because I wasn't liking what I was doing on my own, that I was always prioritizing these consulting projects, that they were taking number one priority of my time. Like every day, if I only had two hours to work while the kids were napping, it went to the consulting, not like learning. And I was like, I really like consulting. I really like helping people. And the projects I was working on were all around leadership development. So I was like, I really like pe helping people become better leaders in their role so they can better communicate with people and have better teams. So I was like, all right, I think I'm going to do something like that, but I need to figure out exactly what businesses want, what businesses need so I can start marketing and start putting it out there and start pitching my services to business. And that kind of got me onto that that mindset track of consulting. I'm going to do consulting and it's going to be something around a leadership development skill. I love this. I love everything about this. And I love especially that you didn't feel like a failure for switching gears or realigning your vision and finding something that was better suited for you. And that you went to the conference and you surround yourself with those people to say like, wow, I have no like business being here. This does not light me up the same way it lights up my husband or the people that are here. And there's something that will light me up. And I think you found it. And I'm excited to hear what that looked like. Yeah. So, well, I will just add one thing. I still in some ways felt like a failure with that. And I just want to put that out there because there are sometimes when we make those pivots and changes in our business that we mean to, but they 
still there's still that mindset issue. There's still that problem of what does this look like? What does this mean? Like type thing. We always want to attach meaning to it and everything. And I remember once I made the pivot and started this new business, being scared to tell my personal network about it because I thought it would look like a failure to them. Like I left my job for this first business. Oh, and here I am a few months later, not pursuing that business anymore. Like I thought like, what would that look like to them? And it took a while for me to really kind of like step into that truth of like, why is it a failure to say, I hate this? This is not (laughs) not for me. I need to make a change. And I made a change for myself. And now I'm on a path that I love and I'm actually being successful with it. You know, what would have been more of a failure? Me staying on a path that made me miserable or transitioning to something that actually lights me up. And it, But it did take a while to get into that mindset and make that switch and actually tell people that I knew that I had a different business. But so as I said, like, I realized I love consulting. I wanted to do something with leadership. My background was corporate. So my initial thought was I am doing corporate leadership consulting. All right. I have a chamber membership from the software development company that we started. Might as well not let it go to waste. I'm going to go to meetings, networking stuff and talk to businesses, kind of get my foot in the door with the people like and but find out what they need, what they want. But what happens was my community is a very big small business community. We have a lot of large organizations here as well, but is very much a small business community. There's so many small businesses. You even go into our downtown, um, the city of St. Petersburg and most of our downtown, the restaurants, the shops, the ev- almost everything, they're small businesses. We have very few large corporate national things in our downtown besides people having like satellite offices and some of the the skyscrapers and everything. So I'd go to these networking events and find myself drawn to speaking to people that were small business owners. And I'd be like, all right, well, let me find out what their needs are too. Where did they struggle? So we'd have these conversations and the conversation would always end up on hiring. That that was their number one challenge. And when I talk about what I was doing, they're like, okay, well, you help with leadership skills. Do you help with hiring? Can you help me? Can you give me some advice here? And I was like, no, I'm going to stay in my swim lane. My clients are going to be corporate clients. So I would tell them, I was like, no, but I'll find you somebody. And so then I went home and I would do hours of research trying to find someone who was helping small businesses with hiring. And every time I thought I found someone, I'd look more at it. And what they meant by small businesses was over 50 employees <laughs> or on their website, they might be a business coach that had all this stuff like around small businesses, uh, startups and all this stuff. But as soon as you went to their leadership pages, you could tell that they were speaking to much larger companies and corporate clients and stuff like that with when it came to leadership and see, and I couldn't find anybody for them. And this was something that came up over and over again. I said, what can I do in this area? And that's when it dawned on me that I had a lot of those skills and knowledge and everything around hiring from my experience in corporate. I managed a team that was entry level and my team was good. So my team was getting poached all the time to go elsewhere within the organization. I was helping out other managers to hire for their team because they didn't have time to do interviews. I worked with HR on a huge hiring project. So I learned some of the HR side of hiring. And I was like, I have all these skills. I have this knowledge. Why not do it? So at first I started something with small businesses. It was leadership and hiring. So kind of helping with that leadership development side of things as well. And part of that also came with the fact that I was working with a business coach and she brought me through these series of questions one day. And I realized that the word people came up in every one of my answers. No matter what the question was, the word people came up in my answers. So I knew no matter what, my business needed to focus on people, the people aspect of business, not systems, not any of that other stuff, the people aspect of business. So, you know, we started growing your team. It's now been five years since we officially launched growing your team. And we, we've we narrowed down where we're specifically focusing on hiring. So while we do a lo- some leadership development and coaching along the way with some of our existing clients, you know, we focus specifically on hiring and preparing for onboarding of employees. I, what an amazing journey. Like, first off, like, congratulations to you because you saw a need and you did the research to be able to really build the business that was suited for your local community and fill a hole that was really big, apparently, because everybody was focusing on corporate. So I want to give everybody listening like some really like actionable like advice and steps. So 
first, like, what can they do? Like, how do they know that they need to start expanding their team first off? And then is there anything that you can tell them, like, today that this is going to help you be able to do that? Yeah. So especially as a mom, expanding your team is going to be a challenge. It's one of those uh, mindset blocks that you're going to have to get over if you really want to grow and scale your business. And and why? The biggest reason why is because, well, as a mom that's running a business, we're used to having a lot on our plate. We're used to being like, I got that. Don't worry. I got it. I can do it. Don't. I got it. I got it. I got it. So then all of a sudden to have to sit there and say, you know what? I, I don't got all this. And we almost, once again, it's like that that ping of, oh my God, am I failing? Like, what's wrong with me that I can't do all this? What you have to think about it is, as you start your business, little by little, you're adding more to your plate. And eventually, you're not going to be able to do it all. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing when your business has grown to the point where you need to start outsourcing and delegating tasks to someone else. So instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't got this, like I need to hire help, like think of this like, yes, like I need to hire help. Like I've grown something, I've created something that requires me to get help. So stop thinking it as a bad thing. I uh, I used to do this talk. I've changed it up a little bit, but it was entitled "Help is not a four letter word." You know, it's not a bad thing in business when you need help. So figure out what that help is for you. And sometimes I'll say, as a mom, if you have your kids at home, sometimes that help is simply childcare help. So you can focus on your business. It, it could be like I said, like I had someone come in just one day a week for three to four hours, and that was the help that I needed at first. So I could focus where I need to focus in my business. So don't think when you're going to go hire help that it's automatically full into a full-time employee. Help doesn't have to look like that at every step of the way. So it can be a small help. It can be help on that personal side that allows you to be more focused on your business. But some of the signs that it's time to hire are that one, you're saying no to your idea project or clients because you just can't take on anything more. Sometimes this also means that you have a wait list. Wait lists can sometimes be good for marketing purposes because it's like, hey, look, I'm so popular. Like you can't work with me until three months down the road. But other times wait lists actually work as a disadvantage for you because you're like, I want that money now. I kind of need that money now, but I can't take that money now because I don't have the capacity to bring that person on. So if you find yourself saying no to clients that you wish you could serve now or projects you wish you could take on now, that's a sign that you need to bring in help. And it could be help that helps in the back end. So that way you can focus more on that client work or someone that's going to directly help you with that client work. Another sign is that your customer service is starting to drop. So you used to be very responsive. Now people are having to wait an unreasonable amount of time to get a response from you. We're not talking about people that expect answers right away. We're talking about like a reasonable amount of time or like the expectations. Yeah. yeah. Or the expectations that you put out. You know, if you tell your clients you'll receive a response from me within one business day and all of a sudden it's taking you three business days, then you're kind of failing on that customer service perspective. This normally leads to people deciding to take their business elsewhere. They're not returning as a client. They're just not feeling satisfied by the end. They might start off extremely happy. And by the time they get to the end of that project, they're like, all right, well, I'm glad we're, we're done because I'm just not feeling valued anymore. It also means that when people reach out to you about the potential of doing business, they don't get a response from you quick enough and they've taken their business elsewhere. Because while you might be the only person that does what you do, how you do it, if they don't have a relationship with you yet, you're oh, no. just... <laughs> yeah, they don't know. Yeah, you're just like one of a few people. Like I work with a few realtors that tell them all the time. I was like, those cl- those calls that you miss are loss of clients because they're not typically calling one realtor. They're calling a realtor after realtor after realtor until they get someone on the phone who's going to take them to go see that house that they want to see. So if you're losing customers because you're just not able to respond quick enough, it's a sign that you need to hire. Another sign is that you want to do something new in your business. Maybe you want to launch a podcast. Maybe you want to launch a course. Maybe you want to do something that's just different than what you're currently doing, but not dropping what you're currently doing. So it's an additional thing, but you just don't have time to dedicate. That could be a time that's a sign that's time to hire either someone coming in to help you launch that new thing or someone coming in to help take over what's been currently going on in your business so you can focus on that new thing. And then the last sign is that you're lacking a skill or knowledge that's really needed. You realize that you either don't have the ability to learn what is needed or it's just not worth your time anymore because the time is going to take you away from other things in your business to focus on learning this new skill is not worth it when you factor in how much 
your time is valued. So it's sometimes better for you to hire someone and hire an expert than it is for you to try to learn this new skill. I love this. I just picked up um, the second in command. Are you familiar with Cameron? I think his last name is Harold uh, or Hardy. No. Something. Um, he's was one of the COOs for 1-800-GOT-JUMP. So he just wrote a book and he talks all about that kind of concept of sometimes the CEO, like it doesn't have to be like a COO. It could be a vice president or could be a virtual assistant or somebody else to help with the actual like fulfillment in the business. And that piece of like hiring a mentor sometimes or just somebody that knows and can help like help you get to action because you have a valuable, your time is valuable. And whatever you place that dollar value at, like you can't be doing like, you're not going to grow a million dollar business doing ten dollar tax, like basically. Right. So exactly. It, it really it fascinating. Is, it's, it's, yeah, that is like one of those things. It's like eventually you have to get those tasks off your plate because it's, it costs you less to hire someone than for you to spend your time there yourself. You need to yeah. focus on those higher level tasks because that's how you uplevel your business. That's how you're going to scale it, make more revenue, and bring more income into you and your family. I love it. So is there any actionable advice that you can give everybody? Like if they want to take that first step to hire their first team member, what does that look like? Like does it have to be a full-time employee? Should they go the independent contractor route? Like what should they be yeah. looking at? Yeah. So the first thing is if if you go into a lot of uh, groups and look for support, it's a lot of times people will tell you to hire a virtual assistant. And virtual assistants are great, but they're not the answer to everything. So my advice is to really spend time to figure out who you need, what you need. And it could still be that you need a virtual assistant and they're the best place to start. But it might you find out that I need a virtual assistant that specializes in this versus someone who's a jack of all trades. And the reason why you really need to figure out who you need is you don't want to hire someone that's not going to move the needle in the right direction for your business. So if you really need help with marketing and you hire someone and their their specialty is really just helping you manage your inbox, but marketing is still a weak point for you. And you, even though you're going to dedicate time there, you're like, all right, I'm still, this isn't moving the needle. Like it's the wrong person. Where if you do that evaluation, you can say, okay, where I really need help is someone with marketing. It still could be that you're creating all the content. They're just helping to push it out. Or maybe you're hiring someone to help create content. And when you, you focus on that and you know that that's who you need, then that's who you go to hire. So you really need to figure out who do you need? So when it comes to employees or independent contractors, once again, it's really going to depend on what you need and what you're looking for. These are two very different roles. And you don't want to get it wrong because if you hire someone as an independent contractor, but you treat them like an employee, the IRS can come after you and you can get some big fines and penalties and it's not fun. So you want to make sure that you're classifying people correctly and know that it's not just like, hey, I can save possibly some money on taxes by hiring a contractor, which is true, but not true at the same time. But possible. we can get into that later if possible. But <laughs> the, you really need to understand the difference. So the brief way to look at the difference is an employee works for your business. You can tell them what to do. You can tell them how to do it. You can control their hours. You can tell them where to work, when to work, like all these things like you are in control. An independent contractor is a separate business that you hire to fulfill a project or a specific need. But it's a separate business. It can be a business of one, so it can be a freelancer, but it's still a separate entity that you're hiring. And if you think about it, like when your clients hire you to do something for them, you know how you operate as a business. You're not a part of their organization. You're doing a project. You're doing tasks for their organization or whatever that is. There's that separation. There's that difference. You get to control when you are the independent contractor, some of your processes. They give you what that that final deliverable is, but you get to control how you get there. So that's the same when you go to hire another organization. You tell them what needs to get done in terms of the goal or the outcome. They could decide everything else on how to get there. As long as they're achieving that outcome that you set forth, it doesn't matter how they get there. So you say, I need X by this due date and possibly put in a few parameters around what X means. But if they work in the middle of the night when you're like, operating during the day, it doesn't matter. Like these things, it doesn't matter. If they use, let's say you're hiring someone for marketing and they're using Photoshop, when you would prefer them to use Canva, guess what? You can't have them go, you can't require them to use Canva. You can only require what that final output is. So that's just one thing to remember is you're, this isn't the same 
it isn't just different ways to classify the same work. They are completely different classifications and how you work with each one is going to be different. So how do you recommend that they know like the process to find out who they need? Like, should they be writing down all the tasks that they're doing? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah. So my advice is take some time and write things down. You don't necessarily have to write down everything that you do all day, every day. You can. Uh, one of the things that I even do in my own business and I advise other people to do is there's um, this time tracking platform, Toggle. And sometimes it's just as simple as even broad categories to get you start thinking about what do I do? Where do I spend my time? You can go and kind of track your time and say, okay, well, you set a timer. I'm working on, even for me, sometimes it's I'm working on admin task and that admin task is I'm in my email inbox. So I start the timer for that. I work on that. Then I'll start the timer another time when I go start client work or things like that. So you can start seeing some of the categories of where you really spend your time. But then I advise you of, once again, not everything needs to be on here, but start thinking of things of what do you not get to because you don't have enough time? What stresses you out because it's just something that takes a lot of extra mind energy or stresses you out because you're not very good at it or you're just always pushing it down on your to-do list? What else would be able to be, you'd be able to do more of if there was a second of you that you're like, okay, a second one of me, this could really benefit this part of my business because we'd be able to do more of this. So when you look at it that way, it's not just everything I do. It's like, where exactly do I need help right now? You know, what should I be getting off my plate? Once you have that list, I always say to prioritize it and prioritize it based on what impact will it have on my business if someone else was doing this. And then you can start seeing that, yeah, there's things where maybe right now they stress you out, but outsourcing those or delegating those tasks right away is going to have a minute impact on your business. Eventually, you might be able to get those off your plate, but it's really not one of those things that is going to have a huge impact on it right now. You know, for example, like one of the things is for some people, keeping track of their books is such a stress point. They hate it. So what do they do? They <laughs> just don't do it. They don't know their numbers. They know nothing about it. And they can actually be hurting their business because they could be overspending or sometimes even starving your business because you're not spending money where you should be or when you should be because you don't think you have the money because you're not keeping track of your numbers. So for some people, hiring out for that bookkeeper is going to be an important thing, especially if you're an inventory-based business because it's going to help you get, get on top of that important measurement that you should be aware of in your business. But then you don't have to do it. You can just be given like, here's, here's what you should know. Here's the important things in front of you. Where there's other people, it's like, yeah, you know, I might not love the time I'm going in and doing this, but at least I'm getting it done. I'm aware of my numbers, even though it's taking some of my time. So eventually getting a bookkeeper might help me, but nothing's suffering because I don't have a bookkeeper right now besides the fact that I'm doing it. But there might be these other tasks in my business that I'm literally holding myself back on because I'm doing it myself. And just to kind of circle it back to, like you said, we met at podcasts and I presented at podcasts on delegating and I specifically showed the numbers of what it does for my podcast because I still hold a lot of the marketing. So the months where I'm all in because I make it a priority and I do it, my numbers go way up. And then the months where I'm just like, I don't have time for that. My numbers go way down. And so it's one of those things like looking at that, it's like, oh, goodness, like getting these marketing tasks off my plate is actually going to have an impact on my business. This is not just something that I don't make time for. It's it actually makes a difference. So once you prioritize and you see what's really going to make a big difference for your business, then you start the t those tasks on the top of that list and you outsource for those tasks, whether it means you're hiring in an employee. An employee can start with you just a few hours a week. It doesn't have to be a full-time position or a contractor that specializes where their business specializes in doing those tasks. I love the question, what impact is that going to make on my business? Because I think that that applies to basically everything in business to help you prioritize like where you need to be focusing your attention, obviously what you need to be outsourcing and like the most important areas, whether that's it's going to impact my business because it's going to make me more money, it's going to get me more clients, or it's going to give me more time with my family, or my mental health is going to improve. <laughs> that's going to make me a better leader and a better entrepreneur. And I think that that's like the most important piece is like, what impact is that going to have on my business? And really reevaluating that every time. Yes, exactly. So is there any last advice that you can give our listeners? I know that this has been such a jam-packed episode and I'm thankful to have you on the show. Yeah. Um. So I guess I have two things that I'll share real quickly. So the first one is, 
once again, we talked about that, that sometimes as moms, it, it's difficult to delegate because one, not only do we kind of sometimes feel that that shame that we can't do it ourselves anymore, but also we're afraid that someone's not going to be able to do it as well as we can. So one of the things I always like to say is, does it have to be done by you? Or does it have to be done right? Because you can hire and train somebody to do it right. So just as you're going through those tasks, just really sit there and say, does this really have to be done by me? And when you're starting off in your business and you're delegating those first few things, there's a lot in your business that does have to stay on your plate, but there's going to be things that just need to be done right and you can get rid of it. As your business scales, you're going to realize there's more and more things that you don't have to be directly involved in the in the doing. So just remember that. Just ask yourself all the time when you're resisting delegating, does it have to be done by me or does it have to be done right? And you can train somebody to do it right. It doesn't have to be done by you. And then the last thing is, is something that I recently heard someone, well, actually, it's probably been a while now, well over a year, but I heard them say this too. They were reflecting on a conversation they had with one of their clients. And they shared this because it had such a great impact. They wanted this group, uh, it was a business uh, group that we were with, was like, this might really help someone else here. And it really did. Is this person was coaching someone, and this was actually a man that they were coaching in the corporate world. And this man, he was a father, and for him, it was really important that he did child pickup. And so every day on his calendar, he had time blocked off for child pickup. But he was starting, especially being a man in the corporate world, what does that look like for me to always leave to go pick up my kid? And it wasn't that people were physically seeing him go, but that he always had this time blocked off. And he goes, well, when clients want to meet with me, I always have to say I can't do whatever that time is. And the coach looked at him and said, well, why does it matter what you're doing? You're simply not available. <laughs> because if you have a meeting earlier in the day, you're not explaining why you can't do 10 a.m. Why do you need to explain why you can't do 3 p.m.? And so it's just kind of that mindset that I think it sticks stuck up to me so much is nobody needs to know why you're not available. It's just that you're not available and then give them times that you are available. So as you build your business around your kids and as your kids get older and you have these other commitments and you really draw your lines of this is what I'm working and this is what I'm not working, even if something comes up, like you have to take your kids to a dentist appointment that's in the middle of your normal work days, nobody needs to know why you're not available. They don't need to know if you're meeting with a client or you're taking your kids to the dentist. They don't need to know if you're in a business meeting or going and having ice cream on the beach with your children. Nobody needs to know you are simply not available. And then give them times that you are available for that conversation. So thank you for stop sharing. Feeling guilty. Yes, that's a really hard for I feel like it's just women in general. We just have this like feeling and like this need to like word vomit. And it's like you have to give more because no or I'm not available isn't a complete sentence. And it is. And that's just like a mindset that we need to overcome and just say no or I am not available. Here's you know, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, if I I don't want to send out a Calendly link where there's only a few slots, because how like what if those don't work for them? And then I even remember when I work with like business coaches or I've worked with the marketing strategists or stuff before, and I'm going to schedule time on their calendar. Sometimes I get their calendar and they have one time the whole entire week that I can schedule my meeting. And it's like, well, I either take that one meeting or we don't meet this weekend and we meet next week. And Perfect. it's like, if I can accept that from the people that I'm paying, why can't the people who are paying me accept that? Yeah. And if it's really a problem, they'll send you an email and they'll say, yeah. hey, I'm so sorry. I cannot make any of those times work at all on your calendar this month. Is there any way that you can meet, you know, at six o'clock on Thursday night and you might want to make an exception and that's like your prerogative if you want to or not but it's not the standard it's an exception right to your right. calendar and, yeah and like one of the things we do here at growing your team is we do full service recruiting so we're interviewing candidates for our clients I only have my calendar available between 9 and 3 p.m Monday through Thursday and then between I think it's like 10 and noon on Fridays for interviews occasionally that doesn't work for people because some people they're working full-time jobs still uh -huh. They can't always step away from their full-time job in order to do an interview during that time. So I just had a candidate yesterday that reached out to me and said, because of the way my job is set up, I can't do an interview before 5 p.m. Eastern. Is there any flexibility? Is there any way we can schedule an interview? And I'm not going to tell that candidate, well, no, I guess that means you're not getting the job. It's like, okay, let me look at my calendar and make an exception. And I looked at it and I said, okay, based on, like, I didn't tell them this, 
but no, knowing but you're this, thinking this. It was it was like based on like things I, commitments I have with my family in the evening hours. The only day of the week that I could do a 5 p.m. interview was yesterday, and I said to him that I was like, "Well, the only day I'm available this week for an interview at that time is is today. Can you jump on a call today?" And he was, so we were able to do that. So it's like you can always control the exceptions. But it's about setting your boundaries and saying, this is what I'm available. If it really doesn't work for someone, you can figure things out. I had another thing. I had a client actually today that the first availability that we were going to have for their hiring kickoff call was in, in two weeks. And both of those felt like it was really far. But with her availability, she had no, no other things that overlapped. She had something cancel on her calendar and it was like, hey, can we move this up? And the only time that she the, the time that she now had available was during my kids pickup time. And I was like, okay, well, one day out of like all this time, I can see if my mom can go pick up my kids for me. Uh-huh. And so to make that exception, but I don't allow people to book that time. And then I was like, well, I'll figure out how I'm going to get my kids later. It's like, I consciously make that exception. I am saying, okay, yes, for this person, I will make an exception, but here are my norms and let them know sometimes that yes, I was able to rearrange my schedule in order to accommodate you here. So they know this isn't the norm, but you're doing them a favor. And that makes you look better too. Like when you're going the extra mile for them and they know that this isn't your standard, like you suddenly just elevated your customer experience for them, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then there's other customers and clients where I'm just like, no, like, you know, we're going to meet during the times <laughs> I have available because I know, you have availability. <laughs> I know you have yeah. availability and that's the time you want. It's not necessarily the time you need. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why it's an exception. Like, and yep. you control that. Thank yep. you so much for sharing that and sharing all of your wisdom here on the podcast today. Can you share with everybody where they can find you and, you know, your podcast and all that stuff? Yeah. So you can head on over to growingyourteam.com to learn more about growing your team and how we help small business owners master the art of hiring. And you can also follow us over on Instagram at Growing Your Team. We post a lot of great information there about hiring and really helping you make sure that you're getting the right people on your team, whether everything from writing effective job postings to interviewing to getting over those mindset issues that hold you back with hiring. And then I am the host of the Growing Your Team podcast with Jamie Van Kuyk, and that's available on all major podcasting platforms, or you can head on over to growingyourteam.com slash podcast to listen to all our episodes where we talk about hiring, onboarding, and managing team members. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Alyssa. I hope today's episode inspired you on your floralpreneur journey. Make sure to check out the show notes for a rundown of today's episode, along with the important links and resources we drop for you. If you enjoyed this and want a deeper dive into some of the topics we discuss here on the show, make sure to join us in our Bloom Like a Boss Club, and I'd be grateful to see that you share this episode with a friend or on social media and left a review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if no one's told you today, I want to remind you that you can build a successful business while playing with flowers. Now let's get out there and boss up. 